Uh, it's Kev from the Lego Project. I'm here with Tom. We've got Tez as well. Uh, some of the usual suspects. And we've got Paul in today as our guest. So great to meet you, Paul. Great to meet you guys too. And I think it'd be probably best to start off with how we, how did you get involved with the project? Well, I got involved uh, through my partner who attended the abseiling event. Yep. And I hate heights. And when she asked me to go along there, I thought, well, I'll give it a go. But I also wanted to push myself and get myself out the comfort zone. Yeah. And standing on the edge of that viaduct with both yourself and Tom looking at me, and I was, I was petrified. Yeah. But um, I knew... My partner was going to do it, so I didn't want to be left like the, the guy that just didn't do it and his girlfriend did. So <laughs> <laughs> but again, I was just chatting to Terry beforehand. Life's all about relationships, and we had a good conversation there. Yes. You told me a little bit about your history. You gave me your book. Yep. I read that very, very quickly because it resonated with some of the aspects in the book. And we've been building a very strong relationship now, and hopefully that will carry on for a lot of years. So it's good, and you've thankfully invited me to this podcast today, and I've met Terry at the coffee machine this morning, and yes. we've expanded on that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Always I'm, a good place to meet, at the coffee machine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then obviously at the event, Tom was there too, had an initial conversation, and we're going to build a relationship as well. So life is fascinating, and the main thing is relationships. So I'm looking forward to building up the, with everyone here. Absolutely, mate. And like we, tonight's wellbeing <coughs> workshop, we'll be covering social awareness and relationship management. So this fits right in. And I think it's definitely one of the most important things that people learn, because you can learn to build better relationships, uh, better networks. And I think that is such a key factor to your well-being, your subjective well-being, which is, you know, the way that you measure up your lot in life, how you feel about your position in the world and that. So super important. So, um, on that note then, I'm just thinking, how do we move this forward? Thoughts on that, Tom? Thoughts on <clears throat> relationship management, social awareness? Relationships. Can't live with them. <laughs> <laughs> Can't live without them. Um, no, um, that, that's my input. For, for, Is that um, it? Is that yeah, what you're yeah, going to that, say? Yeah, that's me. I'm to think from my point of view... Um, We've all seen over the last few years with the after effects of COVID. Yeah. Technology's gone forward a hell of a lot. Yeah. But I think we're starting to see the side effects of that as well, where I was out talking about the other week and there was a guy, he was in his 70s, and he goes, I've lost my grandkids to technology. Yeah. I walk in the room, they don't make eye contact with me, they just sat there with their iPads on their phones there. And I think as a society in general, we're on a very tipping point of people not being able to communicate. And... So I started off working for the big advertising agencies and I've been very fortunate to work around the world for those. But the reason why I went into advertising was the social side of things. It was the energy, the concepts, the ideas. Yeah. And then after, after work, you go for a few drinks. But it was the vibrancy. But people aren't going to the offices as much anymore. It's starting to come back. But we're going to have a little generation of people that have left university and not going into an office. And they're not building those skills up to communicate with people. And they're missing out on this of social engagement, really. There's definitely something there, Paul. I mean, I think the strength of what we're doing locally with the Monday night workshops is that people are there in person talking to each other in the same room and you you can't replace that buzz. You, I mean, obviously, it's beneficial that we've got Zoom calls, team meetings. That's, of course, that's fantastic. But I don't think you can be being in the same room. It's the same with these podcasts. You know, the, you have an energy in a room when there's people present. Yeah, it it's, it's about getting up, getting out. 
Absolutely. And just, just getting out. Like, like you were saying, like with my son, he just sits on his computer games. Yeah. He just, just get him up, get him out. Yes. Yeah. Well, you get him out. I mean, he's, in, he's a team player, though, isn't he? Like, physically, he gets out and he's a paintballer, isn't he? And yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, we, we've got a, a massive team for paintball. He represents England at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, he loves it. it but it's, it's the physical side of it as well. Yeah, and that's a know? balance, isn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah 100%. That's a balance. Yeah, he loves it. I did paintball a couple of months ago. You went paintball. <laughs> Tell us about your paintball experience, Tom. Uh, how does it feel? <laughs> when I got there, I said to the guys, I said, does it hurt? And they, they, they made everyone turn around and shoot me. Like, there was like 11 of them. And, they, and, I, and honestly, I was, I was holding back tears. I'm, I'm doing it now because I'm thinking of the memory. And, um, Traumatic. Yeah, I took Holly to one side because she was there. I said, I don't think I can do it. I said, I can't, I can't do it. Can't do this. Um, I did do it, and uh, but it was cold and... By God, did it hurt? I don't um, think that's very fair of a training team to just get one to shoot me. No, yeah. that's bang out of order. No, but that G- was the best give me their address, there. Tom. I'll go around. I was the best looking there, so that they was all jealous. I think yeah, that's, that's, that's probably what it was. Yeah. You get that a lot, though, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, everywhere I go. You know, has its price been super handsome, Tom? Uh, well, we're talking about relationships. Um, yeah, I get a lot of them. <laughs> 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 oh man, so Paul. Um, I know that you've had some trauma in your life. I know that. I don't know how willing you are to talk about um, things that you overcome. So you... uh, I mean, for me, it's part of my story. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate. I got invited to an event in London last week. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of work with a charity client of mine who I met actually online during COVID. And he sent me a message, oh, Paul, would you like to donate to my charity? Um, I lost my daughter when she was 42-year-old to a brain tumour. And... The message resonated with me because 20 odd years ago, I, I was diagnosed with a brain tumour. I've been very fortunate to get through that. Yeah. Um, it's made me a better person after getting through that. And I, re- I returned the message to David saying, hi, David, I'm not going to donate money to your charity. Firstly, because I didn't know him. Yeah. Um, but I've seen your story. I've seen it's a brain tumour charity, so I've c- I can connect with that. I'm happy to give you my time. Yeah. And I met him for a coffee during COVID. And the guy's 80 year old. His daughter died at 42. So I helped him do a brand overview, get all his ducks in a row from a consistency, stop there, consistency point of view. We designed the web, a new website, built them that there, and we're looking to raise a million pounds by 2027. Mm-hmm. And so far we're on 493, I believe. But you know what, the impact of what he does, support for families that people have been diagnosed with brain tumour, like the situation my mum was in when I got diagnosed, they support the families, mm. they do vital research, they pay for a student every year to research, and without charities like that, I wouldn't be alive today. So these things evolve, and the relationships evolve there. So I enjoy helping him out from there. And I'm going off on different tangents here. So going back to your original question, what was, what was the, the key message you want from me there? I've forgotten what the original <clears> question was. Uh, it was a really open question, just, oh, just, just to ask you about... Um, yeah some of the trauma you've been through yeah. and obviously you know I, I do know your story mm-hmm. um, and, and having a brain tumor is, that's, that's a pretty severe thing to have to cope with not just you know it's like you said your family as well yeah. and the small charities you, you're not the first person I've spoken to that, that uh, has said that small charities are, are so powerful I've got a, a friend that uh, I met a few years back uh, and he lost his daughter and and he was you know and he was saying to me you know there was a small charity he'd never even heard of that helped them out so much and obviously 
it's a devastating time. But the small charities dotted all over our country, they make such a huge difference. So, So like you said, you didn't know the guy, so it's fair not to put money in, but time is everything. It's, it's time is everything. It's, it's for more valuable. It is Time's more valuable. the most important thing. And I still know David now. We're really pushing forward. We've got events coming up there. We've got the Walk of Hope during March. Yeah. And basically, people walk 100 kilometers in 31 days. We're only asking people to try and raise 100 pounds sponsorship each. Yeah. But if we can get a 20, 30, 40 people doing that, it's an extra four or five grand in the, in the charity kitty yeah. for the research. And we're, we're working with a lot more corporate sponsorships this year. Um, but yeah, no, back to my own story. I was so. It was such a positive aspect of my life. Everyone's like, well, no, it must have been a horrible experience. Because no, it wasn't, because it was great. My mum was fantastic. All my family, my brothers were amazing. And my friends used to come to the hospital, sit around my bed when I was unconscious and take the mickey out of me. But I believe that's why I got well what so quickly. What more could you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but if, everyone, <laughs> so. if everyone's sitting there going, oh, poor might die, then you pick up those vibes. So yeah. they apparently had a hilarious laugh when I was unconscious, but I picked up those vibes. And I've been very fortunate with the the relationships back the relationship that I had around before that happened. So you interesting that you I think you briefly said that you think that's probably the reason that you got, got better quicker because there quicker. was people around yeah. Um because if you're lying then you're all and one or two people there that are nervous and you pick up you yeah. just pick up vibes. Yeah. I mean we've got two dogs at home and when when I'm getting stressed working from home, the dogs pick up the vibe and they come running over and the, the sense, everyone senses these things. So I think there's yeah. a massive, there's a massive thing in terms of, uh, people getting better quicker with that, mate, that's that, it's basically that love, isn't it? And that feeling that you, you are cared for and but that's, I think it's a huge thing. Because the first leg up talk I came to, oh, four or five months ago, yeah. I popped in, I was a little bit late, so yeah. I stood at the back and then during Good. the break... Good, if you was late, I'm glad you stood at the break. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve a seat. Yeah, it's fair enough. Well, I, in the break, I got chatting to a gentleman. And I said, oh, have you been coming here long? He said, no, I'm here with my son. Yeah. And obviously his son had had whatever issues there, and he was trying to get his son to, to start integrating again with people in, in the community. Yeah. yeah. And the platform you're providing to people to be able to do that yeah. and giving them support, this gentleman, obviously, I don't know if he knew you personally, had heard of you in the community... And to be able to bring his son along there as a hopefully an output for him to get better or start to engage with people there to, to give him a leg up, pardon the pun, but it is, it's getting it back out there. So it's a, it's a very important thing that you're providing for the community. But going back to the absolute event, that was an amazing event. Yeah. I go to a, not over a fix, I've done a skydive and stuff there as well, but it's always good to push yourself. Yeah. But we wouldn't be sitting here now if I hadn't gone to that event. And you know, I have to thank my partner Natasha for actually going to that from her point of view. Yeah. To go out and do that event there. And there's more walks coming up. But it's, it's so important. I mean, Tom, you were saying you're away in Wales for a few days, you have a signal there, and not being, at times, not to be able to communicate with anybody else. Yeah, Just I hated switch it. off. Yeah, it was awful. I couldn't, couldn't speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know how to upload an Instagram post? You had to leave your phone next to the, the router and then go keep tapping the screen so it didn't time out because oh, the internet was that bad. I think it took about six minutes. I'm not sure, could I'm I not sure you picked up on what Paul was trying to say there. <laughs> I think what Paul was saying is, you know, every now and then it's good to have a little bit of a... Detox. A, a, a yeah, that, that's what I meant. Detox. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be leading by example, not tapping your phone. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, there's only twice I think in the last 12 years probably that I've been without a phone one was over the Christmas period um, down at Isle of Moor with the leg up and the second was, was last week 
Uh, and I expected to come back to hundreds of notifications, you know, well, you hundreds did it, did of you? No, I, I actually feel quite lonely. Really? <laughs> no, no, it was good. It, it was good. Um, did a lot of walking, uh, a lot of seeing science, a lot of photography. And um, yeah, I think I only spoke to you once, Kevin, that week. I know, which is unusual because you usually <laughs> ring me daily, don't you? <laughs> Multiple daily. You want your daily fix of like, I don't know what it is. But that's that connection thing, isn't it? That's like, you know, that having people around you is what we're made up of as human beings if we've not got human connections then you know that's the strength of our happiness and our well-being it's directly linked to the people that we have in our life and and how we treat those people and how we allow those to treat us and and these you know a lot of people come to the project and i think what they're looking for is to be part of something and feel part of something and to do that you know you've got to um you've got to open your heart up as well. You've got to allow yourself to, you know, to get to know people and let people get to know you. And that's, that's probably the hardest thing when people go through any sort of trauma is that they, they shrink inwards and, you know, they, what I used to, what I call getting in your trench, you know, you, you lose trust. You, you don't, you know, you don't want to share what you're doing with people, but ultimately, and this is the catch 22. I think that's the bit that fixes you when you step out and open your arms out and like, look, I want to be part of something. I want to help people. I, I want to be supported as well. I want to feel loved. These are huge things. And and again, I think that's where we we do a, a great job. We facilitate that. I, I love the walking, the walking group, the Wednesday night, the Thursday nights. Just listening to everyone laughing and chatting. I mean, even when it's chucking it down, it's boggy, it's dark, it's windy. Uh, it's rain, but people are still laughing and chatting. And those people didn't know each other before Lego. And it's for me, that's that's the best thing ever. There's some there's some good relationships come out of them walking groups. Oh, mate, some, some really strong, strong, strong friendships. friendships. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's very interesting. The key thing which I picked up on there in your intro there, Kev, was how you allow people to treat you. Yeah, you yeah. Know, a lot of people blaming everybody else or putting the finger there. But you allow people to treat you how you want to be treated. You do. You, yeah. you, uh, it's putting your own boundaries in place. Setting clear boundaries is something you can learn and maybe something that you don't realise you've not done. Because a lot of people say to me, oh, Paul, you're such a nice person there. And I've let people take advantage of that. Not in a bad way, but I've, I've let that happen. It's not anybody else's fault. And I've started to put it in place recently and it's been really good. You feel so much stronger about it. And yeah, yeah, I think we've all, we've all done that. And we just, you know, let everybody, you know, and, until you realise that you can actually set... Yeah. your boundaries yeah and you, you know don't have to be nasty about it just, no 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 just, just literally you can just put it out there and just, just be right just yeah. be just be a perfectly normal human being instead and of and it's something you've mentioned a lot of times there. you've got to look after yourself first otherwise yeah. everything else is irrelevant yeah. you have got to look after yourself first you know being selfish is not it's a word that gets thrown at you when you do not fulfil somebody else's need so it's got a negative connotation but to be selfish is to literally look after your what's best for you and you've, you've, if you don't maintain what's best for you, you can't support anybody else because you just get drained. But I, I found that hard. I found that hard personally to put myself first before everybody else. You know, having a young, well, growing up, having a young family and everything else, I found that quite difficult. 
But, yeah, but I mean, you've not literally got to put yourself. No, but like you know, you first know, step, you know, <laughs> there's levels of, isn't it? Yeah, there? but like, like, but like now, it's like you know, the kids have grown up and everything. Yeah, and, and start to look after myself, and I'm actually finding out what I like. And nobody, nobody teaches, nobody tells you. What well, there's no handbook, is there? Well, there's, there is a few. I'm well, being a dad, but yeah. no, let's be honest, mate. It's it's not an easy job, is it? No. No, it's not, not at an all. easy job. But uh, yeah, you've done well, mate. You've yeah, done well. We're getting that. Your lad's epic. Love yeah, him. It's my first, my firstborn's six, and and my second one is now hardy, like ten, and and they really. They test my patience every day, you know. <laughs> they, they both sleep so, on the... So, so your, your firstborn is six, and yeah, <laughs> your yeah, second yeah. one's ten. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, sorry, I meant oh, no, ten, ten months, ten months. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um, yeah. let, let him finish. This is they, they, they sleep on the bed. Um, <laughs> we, we, we started to... We're teaching them to be at home on their own. Um, we, we leave them for up to five, six hours a day. Um <laughs> Come back, do yeah, this yeah. <laughs> we, we we feed them on the same food every day as well to to help them. Um, house trained yet? Huh? Y- yeah, yeah. Get get in there. You know, uh, in, we're, we're not talking about furry kids here, Tom. Just to oh, bring you back into the. Oh yeah, I'm only about my dogs, by the way. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you picked up on that. Um, so so Paul, you class yourself as a marketer. I believe so. Yeah. What what got you into marketing? Well, I was we were. Chatting as we're walking here, actually, um, I'm very lucky with my parents because I never liked school. I wanted to leave when I was 16. And my mum sat me down saying, listen, Paul, you can do whatever you want to do, but we live in a nice house, we've got a nice car. When you get older, if you want that, you're going to have to have a good job to pay for those things. And she goes, if you want to leave school, we're not going to stop you. But what are you going to do? And I love my art classes and I love graphic design with the experience I'd had at that age. So I checked out a lot of college, went to do a B-Tech in graphic design. And making that step of just going through the process, everyone else did going to sixth form, got me out of my comfort zone even back then, thanks to my parents. And when the teacher stood in front of me on that course, that had actual experience working for agencies, I respected them straight away, they earned my trust. And then I actually knuckled down and started to learn what they were doing and paid attention. And in the second year, one of the modules was an advertising module, and I just loved the advertising, coming up with a concept, Who's the target audience? How do I sell to Sue who's 43 years old and she's got three kids? It's like tearing that message, but trying to make it creative. So I went and do a HND in advertising. And you, in advertising, if you don't know, you work in teams of two. You have an art director and a copywriter. I met Richard in that second in that HND course. Richard was from Carlisle. We partnered up as a team, back to relationships. Which one was you, the copywriter or the, the other one? I'm the art director. Okay. Um, the visual side and then word side, if you like, to make it very, very simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You come up with a concept together and then that concept gets developed. I would develop the visual side of things and then Richard would craft the words and the content. And we got hired out of our final show. Um, very, very, we worked very hard, but very fortunate to get our job out of college. Went down to Putney in London, another massive step. And I nearly didn't go twice. Coming down from Durham, scared back then. To, but again, my mum said, the dad goes, Paul, if you don't like it, you can always come home. And yeah, there is yeah, that. And this well. is the thing, mate. This is the thing. When you've, when you've got that, uh, that solid family, it's, it's, it's such a... And I've realised this, in, you know, I was really fortunate as well. And you, when you've got that solid uh, platform of a family to drop back on, yeah. you, you can step out of your comfort zone, can't you? Yeah, and even now, I mean, I'm lucky. We're a very healthy family. Mm. Parents are still alive. Brothers are doing very well. And you, you always know they'll always be there for you, like I'm there for them. So, so, that, did, so did you end up down in Putney? 
Yes, went on to Putney. It was, it was an agency called Smith Bundy Carlson. Small direct marketing agency. That sounds like a lawyer firm in a film, in like an American film, that does. It does sound <laughs> so anyway, it was, it was George Smith was one of the founding members. And then it was, the agency was bought by um, Carlson Marketing Group. Is that, is that, oh, I've got to stop you. Is that the George Smith of Colville fame? How, how long ago? Uh, he's passed away. George, I bet there's a few George Smiths about, to be fair. Smith uh, is the most second common surname in the UK, I believe. So could yeah. be a few George What's Smiths. What's the first then? Yeah, so George Smith was a, he was a very famous Mahalo. charity copyright. He crafted and he worked for the World Wildlife Fund, Sight yep. Savers. And I got to work for that agency there. And the guy that took me out of the college there, Colin Brooks, the creative director, nice lad. Yeah. Um, I think he took me on board because I was a and fan. He felt sorry for me. So we came down with him. <laughs> Uh, but no, I worked with Colin for two years and he was really helpful and he used to stay behind. He said, if you want any advice and stuff, I'll stay behind me the one night a week. We'll spend an extra couple of hours learning the software. And I've, again, been very, very fortunate to have a relationship where people want to help me. But you've applied yourself on all of these fronts. Oh, yes. I, I didn't just say, oh, this is great. I stayed yeah. behind. I put the extra time in to do that. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I got into marketing that way. But then I had really good people to work with me and Richard worked together for 10 years. Then he got married and then decided he was going to go to Australia and left me. And then uh, I went my own little path. So I followed him about a year later out to Australia, worked for an agency out there. And in between that, I had the, what we talked about before, I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. Yeah. So give me a, one of the best things ever happened to me in a strange way. What, why would you, I mean, I've got a good idea why you'd say that, but what, in your words, obviously, why would you say that was the best thing that happened? And how old were you, Paul, when that happened? 23 when I got diagnosed. Wow. I was down in London. I felt quite frustrated living in London. I love work. Yeah. But I felt very isolated outside of work. Um, so you go there, you do all your creativity. I was working on my second yeah. jobs on Soho Square. So we were doing work for the Football Association, which is one of my passions anyway, football. Mm. New mini. And it was amazing. And you go out drinking on Soho Square, the Toucan Pub Guinness. And it was all great. But when I got home, my friends that I'd grown up since like three year old, and they were all back in the northeast. They're all going to the same place I used to go to every weekend and I was down in London. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know what? Everything in hindsight, I didn't help myself because every other week I used to go back to the northeast to watch, had a season ticket to watch Sunderland play there. So people stop inviting you out. Yeah. They're starting, oh, come to an event here, come here. And I said, no, I'm going back to the northeast. But after two or three times, they don't invite you again. So if you don't jump straight in, and I've learned that now, I'm here today. You said, do you fancy doing a podcast on Friday? And we're here. Yeah. So now I just take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah. Well, not everyone, but the, the ones that... Yeah, couldn't. within reason. Yeah, within reason, so... Obviously, you didn't want to miss a leg up podcast, did you? Of course, I didn't, no. <laughs> what would you? <laughs> so, no, so, and, and you, you never know who you're going to meet at these things there, so... So, that, that's, that first job in that agency was amazing, I say, because the people around me that helped me, mentored me. And now, I mean, I was telling you guys before we were walking here, I got contacted by the Global Banking School probably about eight months ago. Yeah. Saying, we've got a mentorship program here. Would you be looking to, to help us out by doing a marketing mentorship? to some of our students. It's taken a while to find the right pair for me, but now I'm working with a lady and she's starting out there. We've got a very solid plan in place. The first one was taking a step back from where she was at. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. actually the business, she can apply for grants with the business she's doing if she's set up in the right manner. Yeah. So I've connected with my accountant, Andy's speaking to her tomorrow. She'll then have the right foundations in place and then we can really push forward with the strategy and engage with the target audience. But with anything in life, if the foundations are wrong, the house will fall down. 100%. Do a lot of people think that marketing is just putting a load of money into Facebook ads and, and getting customers that way? Do a lot of people simplify it, do you find? And, and you find that a bit frustrating? Or 
Again, I, I always look at myself here. So when I speak to people and they don't follow up with maybe the presentation we've done there, have I presented what we do in the right way? And I think I've learned to basically say it's an investment in your future by taking a step backwards and get your branding right, getting your message right, making sure your mission statement is correct. Like we're working with you on yeah. uh, with, the, with the Survive to Flourish. Yeah. You've, given, you've got a very clear plan who you want to connect with down in London, a certain yeah. target audience there. So we've taken that step back. We're now taking the brand identity we've done there across all your materials, so it's all consistent. And the best way I can um, explain that is if, you, if I go to a business meeting and someone told me you give me your business card, I think, oh, it's quite a nice card. He was a nice guy. And I go and look at his website, and the website looks completely different. It isn't very well. I think, oh, subconscious this guy, there's not something quite right here. So you, if everything's in place, your duck's in a row. Yeah. It makes life a lot easier. So if you get your marketing ducks in a row, it makes your life a lot easier. But also, you won't realize, but if you take a step outside your body when you're in these meetings there, you're a lot more confident when you're happy with your stuff. Go and look at my website, it's great. All the stuff's on there. It just gives you that confidence, how you present yourself. And I've been going to a network meeting every, for about 13 years, now every Thursday morning with about 30 different businesses. And every week I'm practicing my talks, how I speak, how I present myself. And I had an idea last week. I was like, I want to be different this week to stand out. I thought, I'm going to do a joke this week. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Always interesting. I, I thought this could either go one way or the other. So <laughs> the, the gentleman that runs me, he says, Paul, Paul Harrison. Next, I stood up. I goes, hi, my name's Paul Harrison. I'm the creative director of The Shape. This week, I want to talk about Claire. Claire has just dumped her. She's a marketer. She's just dumped her boyfriend. And I was like, and he goes, and why is she dumping her boyfriend? Because there's no engagement. And he's like, oh, God. And everyone's like booing me and stuff. Yeah, like, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just about, I love the creativity of the whole thing there, but you just yeah. got, you've just got to put yourself at the comfort zone. But my heart was pounding. I was like, should I tell this joke? It's stupid, like in front of 30 business people. But you know what? You've got to laugh at yourself. Back to marketing. Do you know there's a whole team of people <laughs> in supermarkets that, that literally that plan out the supermarkets in accordance with psychology? Oh, yeah. And such mm. as like chocolate is on low down on the shelves. Um, and it's not meant to be like near the end of the store or something. Anyway, I did not realise until I watched a whole 45 minute documentary on the psychology of supermarket layouts. So yeah, I've seen that oh, in, a, yeah, in, a, in a petrol station. They have how they should do the shelves. Yeah. It, mm. it was... Because I, I said that to him, I was like, what, why are you doing that? And the research states to put that there, it, it was... It's fascinating because like, just for an example of M&S, they have the, the shop at King's Cross. And you run in there, your sandwiches are first, and your sandwiches are first, then you've got your crisps, your drinks. Yeah. And then you've got your, your self-checkouts. By then, they've got small gateways, but either side of that is chocolates. So you stood there waiting to get your till, and then you've got five, ten seconds to look around you, and people are grabbing chocolates, and you've just got time. It's all designed to... Help you indulge. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? Bringing it back to uh, our kicked off this podcast, social awareness and relationship management, This, all of these things we've been discussing are all pertinent. You know, the, the, the psychology of people's behavior, the way that they act, the way that they think, it's kind of like, it, it's, uh, you, you would do yourself a favor to learn more, become more socially aware, become better at managing relationships because your whole your whole life, and you, you know, the opportunities that you get, uh, the way you feel about yourself, you, you know, your subjective well-being, your, your level of happiness, all hinges upon this skill set, and, and these are skills that can be learned. So, I it's went, really interesting it, stuff. No, I, I always find it interesting. At that business meeting last Thursday, um, yeah. there's a really good guy there called Jay. I think you met him, the videographer. I did, yeah. And he does an educational slide of the week, 
and his slot last week was about giving and the in, the, the, in, the endorphins when you get there from when you give to somebody yeah. that feeling you get when you've helped somebody out there yeah. is even more powerful than getting things yourself <coughs> there's a secret and, and we do talk about this you know on the project to giving your time giving your support to people voluntary work it's it's high up there i mean you, you know it's it's one of the big parts of things that helped me come back from the dark hole that I'd got myself in. It's, it's in the book, Paul, isn't it? And it's it like, is. you know, learning to give, it, that's one of the key secrets, but not giving yourself away. Yeah. Because there's people out there that will do anything for anyone and they, they're so tired because some people will take it. So, you know, people do. We all know this. Yeah. So there is a skill to be learned in setting clear boundaries and... Yeah. You know, the, the old social awareness and relationship management, you know, the session we're going to be delivering tonight, there's some powerful points in there. Oh, we're really looking forward to that. And even yesterday, one of our clients we work with at The Shape, mm. uh, I love, the, I love the, the team that run it. Yeah. Um, I love the idea behind what they do. But I got frustrated. Right. By a third party we're using. And I've, everyone's put a lot of time in that third party, but they're not delivering the service they said they would. Okay. So I was sitting on a Sunday, feeling a bit drained, a bit down, because I'd set a lot of things up there which hadn't worked technology-wise. And it's starting to have an effect on the amount of money my clients earning and raising for yeah. their cause. I'm trying very hard not to give away names of any of the stuff there. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I sent an email, and Natasha in the background, she goes, do you want me to read that before you send it? I goes, yes, please. And I walked up and she goes, you cannot send this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah. when you're, you're typing with thunder yeah, keys yeah, and stuff yeah. there? And I wouldn't have sent it as it was anyway, but it was always get somebody else to, to read what you're doing there because, especially with emails, they can't see your expression, they can't see what you're trying to get across there. Touch a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But, I, but what I tend to do in the past is make a phone call before. I'm saying, listen, I'm going to send you this email there. It's not meant to be nasty or harsh. I'm just trying to get across that you've let certain people down there and it needs to be solved. And that's on a business level. When you, if you draw that right back into social awareness, and then we talk about Facebook groups, and we talk about spotted this and spotted that, <laughs> you know, how many people just type it out and bang off it goes without a care in the world. And again, that for me, the impact of some of the words you say to people that you've never met, you know, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Oh, we'll be discussing that tonight. You know, what what does your social, uh, what's your social media presence say about you? And and when I, I was running, um, I was on a project down in South East London a number of years back working with uh, offenders that come out of Belmarsh. And Belmarsh is not, you know, it, they've done time in Belmarsh. We're talking drugs and gun crime. And the guys come along to us and we did a six week course to get people back into construction. Uh, but my role really was, was to like, um, I was kind of brought in because I have got um, a construction background as well in terms of electrical uh, and mechanical. But my main role was to try and get these guys to be a bit more self-aware, be a bit more socially aware and prepare them to go out into the workplace because they'd just done a number of years in, in prison, basically. But but it's it's we had a package where we did, we, we looked at, you know, what does it... it I'm going to look at, you know, your social media pages. If, if you email me to come on the project, I'm going to look at them. You know, I want to see where you're at. And, and that's that's the thing. Well, you did that after our first engagement. After that talk, when I stood at the back there, yeah. we had a very quick conversation and then you went to speak to somebody outside yeah. who wanted to have your time there. And the next time we met, you said, oh, I always check out someone's LinkedIn profile up there. And you're the real deal, Paul. I've seen, you, I've seen 
everything online now, you can either build a relationship to back yeah. up what, that conversation or you can ruin it by yeah. not having it properly. Absolutely. And if you find out a silly comment on Facebook or Twitter and stuff then, how many celebrities now are paying for things they've said 10 years ago yeah. and someone's found it now? And just think about what <coughs> you do and just take a step back, look down on the situation. You might want to say that moment in time there, but it's not worth it. Um, for me, I mean, um, some of the things, you know, you end up reading that people have put, you think, wow, you know, and that, for me, part of the project is about raising people's awareness, uh, and it's, it's educational, and like, you, what, what are you putting out into the world? You know what I mean? And it's all, it all comes back, it all links back to everybody's happiness, you know, what is the project here for? We're trying to raise the well-being of as many people as we can in the area that we live in. And it is down to the way that we think and the things that we do. It's that simple. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's got, so got, important. One of my f first clients, and he's still a good friend of mine now, San Chima, he's a, he's a very good mentor as well as a friend. And he said to me a lot, a lot of years ago, um, Paul, if, if one of your clients has a go at you, do not have a go back. Yeah. Because he's probably, or he or she's probably had a, an argument with their husband or wife that morning. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with you. Take yourself out of the situation. Do not fight fire with fire. You know what? Given, and I, I would label this under giving the benefit of the doubt, right? It makes your life a lot easier if you don't, if you do your absolute best not to take it personally. I mean, you know, you make a mistake while you're driving, you might cut someone up, uh, you know, it's like beep, 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 and signals all over the place. You know, yeah, you made a mistake, but you didn't do it intentionally. And life's like that. You know, you, you can catch people when they've had a bad day and they'll just let rip out of you, you know, let rip into you. And then if you ever go back, you're escalating. For me, it's much easier for me to think, well, you know, and, and obviously I taught kids for 10 years that, that, that didn't go to mainstream school. So I got a lot of, um, I was on the receiving end of a lot of, um, what, how would you put it? You know, abuse. Just, abuse, <laughs> abuse is the word. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know why I couldn't think of it. I've had plenty of it. But yeah, I was on the receiving end of a lot of abuse. And, and I would always just think, well, you know, you, you can't be angry with me, mate, because I had done anything. But, you know, are you okay? What's up, man? What's up? And I think that's such a powerful tool, just learning to give the benefit of the doubt, not taking it personally, and being able to give a bit, having a bit of distance to get that clarity. But there's so many things we could talk about. Social awareness and relationship management, they're just a couple of things that we talk about on our 10-week programme. And every little, you know, if you can, every little bit of knowledge you get, if you can start applying it, it just it just makes your life. These are tough lessons to learn, isn't they, in life? Tough lessons. Yeah. But no, no, there's nobody out there that's not had a rough time with someone somewhere along the line. Everybody gets a bit. But that little nugget I mentioned about before from my friend Sanchima uh, about that person, it's not, it's not you that's the problem there. Just yeah. take a step back from there. Another one he gave me a lot of years ago as well, which is I still do now, on a Saturday morning, just take an hour to yourself, go and what are you going to do? Any time of the week, pick your time there, have a coffee, sit somewhere, and look at your week as a whole. Mm. Do not look at what you haven't achieved. Look at what you have achieved. Yeah. 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 Because the biggest... <clears throat> thing I used to work I didn't do this didn't that that's, you're on a negative foot there but if you look what you have achieved think oh my god that's powerful and then it drives you onto that yeah always easier said than done but try and look at the positive side of things there Un honestly we are 
as human beings, we are wired up to look for the worst case scenarios. And it it does actually take um, practice to do that, to be positive and look at the things you've achieved. You know, you've got to, you've got to champion your wins and you've got to look, you know, you've got to, and it is an effort. It is an effort because naturally we look for the worst, but it is an effort to continue, you know, even if you have to make a list of all the things you've achieved. And that that's a personal thing. Um, and again, like, you know, we, we talk about this so much, measuring yourself against others. It's like, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Is that right? Or, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just such a, an interesting thing. And I think that's the more I get to know yourself and mm. the people around you and the the Lego project there. It's such an amazing tool. Yeah, for people if if they allow you to help them, but people have got to want to be helped as well. And that's the key thing. But it's amazing you're doing for the area around here to give this resource to people there. Yeah, and hopefully as many people as possible will take advantage of that. And I think tonight's talk will be fascinating, so uh, looking forward to that. Brilliant, mate. Any um, words of wisdom over in the corner from Tom? The only time that I've ever been to London, uh, <laughs> it scares me, Paul, actually. Um, was on, it was on the hottest day of the year. I had six grand in cash in a, in a fanny pack below a puffer jacket and two jumpers, and I was on the underground. Uh, this is how scared I was of, of London. Um, there was hoodlums everywhere, and I was in a, a place called uh, Brixton. And I don't know if you know the song "Welcome to Brixton." I'm in the party with Barbies and bitches. Yep. That's how I felt, uh, and I was on my way to buy a camper van. Um, but London scares me, Paul. Maybe one day you'll be able to hold my hand into into easing that that fear. Oh, Tom, I mean, I, I moved down as 19 year old, and I, w- I was scared because I've come back, come from Dunridge, and everyone walks down the street saying, "Good morning, how are you?" And I got to London saying, "Hello, how are you?" And I was like. Are you yeah. mad? But <laughs> um, well, you know what? If you don't try these things, you never get. Obviously, next time you want to come down there, come to the network and meet like Kev did the other week and you were straight in there and it was great for I, you. I've, I don't mind London. Um, I've worked in London a fair bit. Um, I love saying hello to everyone. They just look so scared, Tom, when you say hello. Just, But I'm not going to change, you know? No, that's it. I'm, I'm a polite guy, but, but it is a very interesting place. A lot of fear in London. Yeah. A lot of fear, a lot of mistrust, but there's a lot of people, aren't there? Yeah, but there's a lot of opportunities the, as well. It's, I was going to say opportunities. You know, the word it is there. what it is. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you want to go out there and find them, they're there for you. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Tom, but you know, you you do you do worry me, Thomas. I can't remember do. if I said why I was going down. I was going to buy a camper van. You in, did say in that. cash. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. just in clarifying. Cash. Okay. Wow. Well, um, one of good friend, unfortunately, passed away now. Uh, a gentleman called Peter Sherwood, and he had Sherwood Diamonds and Gems. I used to do some marketing, marketing, can't even speak now, marketing consulting for him and his wife. Yeah. Um, Jewish gentleman there, but he used to walk around with a big trench coat on there. And everyone's like, it's red hot. <laughs> and he'd open his jacket up and he's like, just diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> and when you talk about your six grand there with a little bum bag on you, he yeah, used to yeah. carry like rocks around with him, watches on inside pockets. You're like, Peter. That, that's like something off lock stock, isn't it? Yeah. And two smoking barrels. <laughs> But yeah, um, awesome to have you on, Paul, and uh, great to have Tez in the studio as well. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been an amazing experience, and um, obviously looking forward to More develop, the, developing the relationship with you guys and yeah. helping out with the Lego project when I can. Yeah. Uh, as I say, I've just started doing a ment- being a mentor for the, the Global Banking School then. Yeah. Seeing, when I share my advice, my expertise with this, the lady I'm working with now, Christina, and how it's helped, it only three weeks been working with her, 
And it's just, it's, it's an amazing experience for me. Uplifting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Helping people is. Helping people is, is an amazing thing to do. A lot of people have helped me, as I mentioned, about my first boss there would stay behind me and stuff there. It's about, I, I don't like the word giving back, but I feel a lot better for doing that. Yeah. And actually, when, I, when I've been sharing the information with her, I thought, oh my word, I can't believe how much I've actually let myself. Yeah. And now I'm help, helping somebody else. It's actually yeah. really, it's helped me realise what I've learned over the years. Yeah. So it, it's really good on every level. And um Looking forward to a very exciting 2024. Well, always remember as well with the with the global banking people. If if they ever want to throw any money our way, yeah, we then, can uh, we can accept that, can't yeah, we? Yeah, as a large cash donation. Well, once I hope you've been a good mentor after six months, I'll have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very Fantastic. much. On that note, good night. <laughs>